Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Do you really want to live forever, forever young? And the rest of the song keeps going, but we're not going to, because it's time to launch into the episode. That ties into a question later. We'll let you know when that happens. We will. (laughs) Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Or you can guess and leave it in the comments. (laughs) What's up, everyone? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy. How's it? It's Josh Lequai. We're not saying our last Uh, names. I I almost forgot to. Yeah, his last name is Wong. Um... (laughs) Yeah, I got thrown by the song. You guys have no idea out there how long we spend trying to come up with a song sometimes. According to... <laughs> how long? Seven minutes. <laughs> There's like, just uh, seven minutes of footage of us looking up songs and couldn't figure it out. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, we are qu- tackling a bunch of interesting questions that you, the viewers and listeners, have submitted to us through emails, tweets, comments, etc. Um, if you ever want a question on the show, send us an email with the title Question Time, two words, and then we'll automatically sort it into our Question Time inbox. But we got a bunch of really interesting questions today. Uh, yeah, we have um, some status updates about Game Nights, our Kickstarter last year, Patreon re- rewards. We're talking about how to play Commander if you're a younger player. Forever young. Yes. <laughs> what to do if your playgroup stops politicking. Totally. Uh. And we even are going to tackle a question from Mark Rosewater, which is, should Wizards of the Coast print cards that they know will be problematic in certain formats but fun in others yeah that's a cool one um mark full disclosure did not uh submit that question directly to us that's Mm -hmm. something that got pointed out to us on twitter but we're going to tackle that question and many others but before we get into it jimmy do you want to talk about our sponsors i would love to cardkingdom.com slash command zone they're your number one place to go if you want to buy magic cards sealed products singles anything relating to the magic universe especially with so many amazing products coming out you want a way to know that hey i have a place i can always go to they can grade cards professionally it's gonna be exactly what they graded i can also send my cards in there and get in-store credit or just have them buy them from me cardkingdom.com slash command zone it's a great place to go it's our affiliate link if you just use that link you're going to support the show, and it's really simple. Right now, especially now, these days, shipping and all those things are a bit tougher, so CardKingdom.com is always our number one place to go because they are very efficient. They'll pack your cards oftentimes the same day you order it and get them out that to you immediately. 
Yeah, you got a Coria out right now, and M21. Spoiler alert, we're going to have our Ooh. M21 preview card out later this week, so that's yeah. already around the corner. You want to pre-order all that stuff. And once you get that stuff, you really want to keep it protected. Ultra Pro products are the best way to protect all of your game pieces. They're the ones that Jimmy and I trust for our own cards and our own decks. You don't want these cards that you buy. They have value. You don't want mm-hmm. them to get scuffed up or messed up in any way. So Ultra Pro makes the best sleeves, the best deck boxes, the best play mats to keep your game pieces in pristine condition. Yeah, you want to look cool and feel cool when you play Magic. Yeah. That's part of the fun for playing physical Magic for me. And the last way to support the show is directly at patreon.com slash command zone. We love our patrons. Patrons that are at a high enough tier qualify for free merchandise, which we're going to be talking about in a second here. And also patrons get to get access to a Discord channel where Josh and I are answering questions every single day. There's a really active, awesome community there with some great mods. Any questions you might have, anything you're trying to brew up, there are people there that are going to respond to you and get you some feedback. And it's a great place to just let your magic brain unload on the internet. Yeah, people are always messaging us asking for specific deck building tips or like suggestions for their deck. Here's our list. Yeah. And the Deck Doctors uh, channel on our Discord has a ton of veteran um, EDH players that can really help you with those questions because Jimmy and I are pretty busy. We don't always have time to answer all those yeah. uh, requests directly. And CEDH players too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one special thing is we call out a random patron every single episode. So this episode is dedicated, dedicated to, to Chris Doucette. Chris, you rock. See you on the Discord, Chris. You're at the right tier. All right, before we get into the questions, um, one quick thing. It's that time of year. The Commanders, yeah, <laughs> the Commander Summit. Uh, we've done this now. This I think this is our fifth annual yes. Commander Summit. Uh, last year, if you remember, we kind of opened it up to the community. We used to get um, a couple of our friends that do other Commander content to sit down, but now we're just kind of opening it up to all content creators that do content focused on Commander. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean all your content has to be Commander focused. Just if you do some content that's Commander focused, you can qualify to uh, submit your thoughts on all the hot button issues that are facing the EDH format. We're going to have the links in the show notes, or you can find um, the link on Twitter or our Facebook. So if you follow us on either of those platforms, or I'll just say it, collected.company slash 2020 hyphen commander hyphen summit. That's where you go to find out the uh, details on how you can submit for this year's Commander Summit. Yeah, and get your voices heard inside one of our episodes. We'll respond to you. But more importantly, we want to know what the community thinks. So check it out. All the details are there. So don't ask us questions about it because I think you guys did a pretty thorough job writing it all down. Yeah, we're just going to (laughs) say, read the info. It's there. Please. Okay. All right. So main topic, questions and answers. Um, Again, we got these from the audience over time. We get them all the time. Emails, tweets, comments. Uh, Question time is the heading you want to use if you want to be part of this in the future. Let's just jump right into the the question from Mark Rosewater here. Yeah. Um, This was forwarded to us by John John Robert on Twitter. And it, but it's it's a tweet by Mark. Wait, he, hold on. This guy has three first names for his name. John John Robert. That's a superhero name for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it's a tweet by Mark, and he was in the middle of a discussion about um, sort of design philosophy. And I think if you read between the lines, you'll know why this question's come up recently. Mm-hmm. But Mark's tweet reads. If a card is fun for standard and draft, but problematic in vintage, legacy, and modern, should we print it? Interesting. So obviously there have been a lot of cards recently, a lot of talk about companion specifically. Uh, Luris is having a big impact on these older formats. 
And people are often, I think people have the wrong attitude personally when it comes to bans being like, if they're banning cards, they're doing something wrong, which is, I think, you know, magic is very hard to design for. And they're always trying to fill in the design space. And sometimes they'll do things that kind of jump outside the pumpkin, which is like making companion a mechanic. And in general, as a commander player, I think games, things that make the game more interesting are always good to look at and to try out because if they're harming a format, and the boy, I'm going to anger some people here. If they're harming a format like Vintage and Legacy, where two percent of the total Magic player base plays it because it's so restrictive cost-wise, I think it's worth it to try it out on the bigger scale. And if it's too problematic, you can ban it, restrict it, do whatever you need to. So you're coming down on the side of they should absolutely print cards that they know might be problems in some formats if they think it'll be good in others. That's okay. I mean, they play test for standard in-house and they play test for draft in-house. So those are the ones that they know it's not going to be a super bad effect for. Or they think. Or they think, yeah. And they do, a, I think, a good job. They have Paul Cheon and they have Melissa. They have a lot of really... Peter Brown. T- yeah, and, and they're all like pro players that have played the game for a long time. So I think they have a good testing team back there. I think in general, it's fine. Modern is the only one where it's like, if it's really going to mess up modern, maybe think about it because that format is still really popular. I mean, for us, Lutri is the example, right? We had to pre-ban that card yeah. uh, because it was just obviously bad for the commander format in the wording on the card. And Wizards even knew that that card was probably going to be problematic in commander. They're the ones yeah. that brought it up to the rules committee and say, hey, you should look at this. You might want to think about it because when we designed it, yes, we were aware, obviously, that it <laughs> could be a problem in commander. And so, you know, but they didn't want to say... I guess if, if it comes up on their radar, they're designing a card and they think this card's really cool, but it's like, but in the pro, in the in the pro column, it's like we'll be fun in these standard in these formats. In the con column, it's like this one format, it's going to be disruptive. Right. Yeah. Is that a reason to not put the card into the wild? Because there are, like you said, protocols in place to sort of ban it in those other formats or get rid of it or whatever. And, and I don't think they, this is something they want to do all the time because obviously every set that comes out, you don't want to be like, hey, these these three cards or this one card yeah. every single set a Korea was special right because it had yeah. mutate and that really complex mechanics so i think this is something that they should be able to do but it's just like everything it's not black and white it's not a yes or no question it's really a question of like the nuance matters how often yeah. are we doing this because if it's all the time that's not great because it just means like you don't want to open magic cards and you just know there's a decent chance something in there isn't playable in these other formats but it's pretty rare that this happens companions like uh like in our whole time doing the podcast has there been anything like companion that's come up i don't think so yeah i mean the most complex thing i could think of otherwise would be like energy counters because it had introduced a whole new counter type and they did have to get rid of like etherworks marvel out of standard and some and and some things but in general that was like normal bannings this is not like companion which has been the ripple effects across multiple formats as like a mechanic it's maybe just problematic whereas energy as a mechanic yeah seems like mostly okay minus like a card or two i liked all the other companion cards for commander i don't think they inherently make the format broken or busted and it was cool to see that thing in there because it gives people more deck building opportunities you have to think on the other end of the spectrum too right like if you hammer them so hard that they're scared to design cards because boy it's really an epic fail on our part if we design a card that then has to be banned what does that do to the design process this makes them gun shy right right they don't want to pull the trigger on interesting cool stuff because they're gonna all of a sudden get you know a lot of pushback from the community so i don't like to blow it out of proportion when like quote unquote mistakes are made yeah which i don't even know if it's correct to like categorize it as a mistake but i like them being able to push the envelope and then 
because they are existing in a world where digital games exist and they have to keep pace with those. And digital games are not playing fair in this arena because they can just Arata. patch the card. Yeah. yeah. And Hearthstone's done that a bunch. Yep. Like it's really easy for them to do it digitally, but physically they're printing, they're making these years in advance and they're printing them and you can't just go in and change something. So it would be really easy for them, right, to be very conservative, but I think that would hurt the game in the long run if their game designing was very conservative. All the time, yeah. Yeah, because now all of a sudden the game's not evolving and changing much, and people are like, yeah, Magic is pretty much how it was always and always has been as far as, like, the cards are the exact same. They have to be able to, like, turn, you know, pick up and look under new rocks and look over new horizons and <laughs> open new doors and windows and say, like, what's on the other side of that? And sometimes, yeah, maybe that burns us a little bit, but I think the upside is worth it. I mean, my question is, like, had there not been so many other products released around Ikoria, if we just had Ikoria as a regular set release that we had time to breathe in and take in, I think we would be really excited that it changes things up and it's pretty different than other sets because it introduces a lot more new stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of times a set gets released and we do the set review and it's like, blech. Like, core sets can sometimes be really boring if you're not... Yeah, if you it's can't like, find eh, there's the, really only five or six cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the rest will, will just fluff around it a little bit and give us some more in, info. Also, you have to keep in mind, like, what are the most popular formats? Commander, limited, then standard, right? Probably. So, like, that's what they're going to be designing for much more than, sorry, modern legacy vintage players. I, I feel like those formats just don't get as much care because... It's impossible anyway. I think legacy, right? Legacy. <laughs> How do you balance for legacy? You can't. It's I mean, we'd have to get Kyle Hill in here, but I think the amount of interactions between the number of cards now is impossible for like a definitely a human being, but probably even a computer to figure out. Yeah. Because we're talking about like one card and how it interacts with each of the other 20,000 cards and not just that, but in two and three card combos and eh, it's nuts. Yeah, it seems pretty crazy. So I'm just, I mean, like I'm glad, I think the Luris or not the Luris, the Lutri thing with Commander was an unfortunate thing that happened. Maybe in retrospect, they would have gone back and found a way to change the text a little bit, which actually we'll talk about later on. Um, but overall, I think everything else has a positive effect. I want to be pushing the boundaries because it makes deck building more fun and it makes Commander, which is a format based around fun, more fun. People aren't trying to go, go hyper-competitive all the time in Commander. So having cards that kind of like play outside the space or make you do something a little different is great. Otherwise, we're just going to do the same deck tech over and over and over again. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, Jimmy and I, we work in the creative business. And as a creative person now, obviously, we don't design car- games or cards. Yeah. But you hate to be told, like, hey, keep doing the exact same thing. You want to push your boundaries, explore new horizons, mm-hmm. you know, try new stuff. And, you know, one of the things I think you've probably noticed out there in the audience is that we always push back against any comment that's basically like, hey, just keep doing the exact same thing you're doing. Because the yeah. creator... Stop innovating, please. The creator has to feel satisfied by the thing. That's what makes the thing good. Mm-hmm. If the creator is not invested in it, that's when you get really stale stuff that nobody cares about because the creator themselves doesn't even care about it. So there's this balancing act that has to occur. But I'm on the side of Mark here where I I like the designers to be able to have the leeway to try exciting things that they think are cool. And then, you know, of course, there's going to be some mistakes made and we have to just kind of be okay with that as the price for having all the cool stuff. I mean, imagine what the craziest things that have been pitched at the company are and then where we are now. Because maybe, like, sure, we think Companion is crazy and busted sometimes, but also, like, what was version one? Right. Was it 10 times nuttier? And they brought it back to the point where, like, all right, this is right on the edge, and I'd rather be right on the edge and figuring out maybe a little too powerful, maybe not, instead of, like, safely underpowered. Yeah. Because then we just get cards that, I mean, like, Magic players will complain either way. It's like, you didn't give us powerful enough cards. You gave us two powerful cards. Look at, like, the Ixalan block and stuff, and, and, and blocks where Marquita Mask way back in the day, where the cards oh, yeah. were just, just very much obviously underpowered compared to what's before. People hate that, too. So, yeah. yeah, it's a tough balance. All right. Okay, question number two. Where are my Game Nights Kickstarter rewards, Patreon rewards, slash my rewards are scuffed up, slash they're missing something? 
and this question comes from everyone that backed us uh, on Kickstarter or on Patreon. So not everyone, a lot of them have gotten them. Well, yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. These questions are only coming from the people that backed our Kickstarter and all that stuff. Uh, for those of you that want to know how to get the coin, how to get the shirt, unfortunately, you will not be able to because the Kickstarter was an exclusive thing. However, we may be giving away some in the future. I mean, spontaneously, we didn't talk about this, but I think we should probably give away a couple coins at the end of this episode. We'll figure out Ooh. some way throughout the course of it. But yeah, if you didn't back the Kickstarter or weren't part of our Patreon during the end of last year, there's no way to purchase those coins or the right. shirt. The, this is how we do our merch now because we don't want to hold a lot of inventory. So you just kind of back it at the time, you get it. And then, sorry, at this point, you can't get that. But you can get our next thing, which yeah. will hopefully be coming out soon. And it makes it more special too. Yeah. Um, for those of you that are still wondering where your rewards are, certain ones of you are in certain countries that won't accept shipments from America, so we can't get it out to you. Oh, right, because of the health crisis right yes. now? Yes. Okay. Car Kingdom is slowly restaffing, but they have to have minimized staffing because of, or not kidding, our, our fulfillment company, Penny Arcade and Car Kingdom too. So the prizes are going out now to all of our backers that filled out their surveys and gave us information, but they're going out tiered slowly. If you have any issues with the product, if you're missing something, just email us at commandzonecast at gmail.com. That's the way that we can track it and we'll be able to talk to our fulfillment company and get you make sure that everything's right. Um, There are going to inevitably be some errors and mistakes along the way. So we appreciate the patience and hopefully we get everything out to you guys as soon as possible. We have been getting a lot of tweets and emails though of people, uh, pictures of people wearing their shirts or using their coins. Yeah, so it's really cool. So if you've gotten your stuff, please let us know because I just like to see everybody with that's gotten their hands on it, you know? I will give one small thing. If you got the coin and you want to be using it for a coin flipping deck, we don't recommend it. One, it's really heavy and it may ding some stuff on the way down if you miss it. Two, it's not perfectly balanced like a coin or a dice mm. is, so you don't want to have results weighed in one direction or the other. They're great, though, for marking off stuff, giving a pl- huge plus one, plus one counter. Upkeep reminder, upkeep that's triggers. my favorite. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, let's go to question number three. How many hidden cuts are in your podcast? How many times did you have to restart the recording? I feel like you're not getting enough credit for talking nonstop for sometimes over an hour. (laughs) How about technical issues like a blackout? How does having a guest on the podcast alter that decision making? This is from Seraphim. Great question. Yeah, a lot in there. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll... I'll address the blackout thing first. That's happened, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we just cut out that part and then restart from a moment before the lights and everything went out and then no, nobody out there knows, which I guess leads into the, how often do we edit big chunks out of the podcast, Jimmy? We used to say, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, like that, yeah. right? That's like a significant chunk of pause. And if we weren't showing ourselves on camera, you just shorten that out. But I'd say these days it almost doesn't really happen that often. Yeah, I think early on, too, we were coming from different areas of content creation. Like, Uh I'm coming from the studio, from movies. Jimmy's doing, like, the biggest web series in the world, coming (laughs) from that same side. And so we were probably over-edited early early on, which is funny because I edited, like, the first 12 episodes of the podcast. And I would take out a lot of pauses, Mm -hmm. uh, try and take out every um. And then as we sort of did this more and became more used to the format, we kind of started caring about that less and understanding that actually that flow feels more natural and more real than like really upcutting and making it sound like a speaking spell. Like we don't sound like (laughs) humans at a certain point, you know? Yeah, there's just no breathing room between anything we say. We just go straight to the next thing. Yeah, exactly. So we've gotten more used to the natural flow of conversation. I'd say most podcast episodes that you hear, there are some edits in there, but it's pretty rare. Jimmy and I will even mess up on air and the other one will kind of correct them. In the old days, we'd be like, hold on, re-say the whole thing thing as if you never messed up. And now we're just like, 
eh, whatever. <laughs> we, exp- we Oh, sorry, I messed that up and then explain it and just leave the whole mess up in there. Yeah, it makes us more human, I hope, at the end of the day. Um, also, like, we, the tediousness of going in and cutting out dead space constantly for our editors would be, I think, a little, a little much to ask when we're already flying cards up on screen. There are times we'll misread something. It's like, you know, we should reread the card so that we know it. But we know, for instance, that a card's on screen. We have... You know, you're not going to see us cut behind the scenes here, but it just makes for a slightly smoother podcast listening experience. I mean, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought it up. I didn't even think about it. Um, we always keep in our head sort of what the audience is seeing while we're talking. So a lot of times we'll know, oh, during this part, the card will be on screen. So it's easy to make an edit because mm-hmm. we're going to edit behind the card on screen and, and nobody out there will even know that it happens. Whereas in other parts, we might know that hey, there's not going to be any card on screen here because we were just talking about something that they can't really show yeah, anything for. Anything, yeah. In which case, we probably won't request an edit because we know that it's just going to be harder for the editors to figure out how to band-aid that together. Maybe like, sometimes we stop and do it over again if we can't think of a card name. Yep. Uh, but I would say like after, if, if we can't think of it in like three to five seconds, then we're like, okay, hold on, let's just look it yeah. up. A lot of times it's like, hey, and you then, talk okay, while okay. I look it up. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you keep going. And, and I'm just like, I'm spinning wheels about a card. <laughs> but that's only happened probably a couple of times. And I think, you know, one of the things is as we've done the podcast for longer, we have more audience members that just kind of know us. Yeah. And so we just feel like we can be ourselves more than maybe we used to, where it's like, yeah, I I think that's a big part of it. Do you want to talk (laughs) about, um, because having, there's a last part of Seraphim's question, which is about having guests on the podcast, which is kind of a big thing. And and anytime we have a guest on, it creates a lot more work, basically. Yeah, because sometimes there will be, like, Josh and I know, when I'm done with a comment or a sentence, I'm kind of, like, adding a little inflection to be like, and I'm done. And then Josh knows to pick it up. But sometimes a guest won't have that rhythm in their head, so there will be more pauses, or they might mess up, or they might accidentally swear. And so we're like, you know what? If you do, don't worry. Just walk it back. Address the editor to the camera like, hey, uh, whoever, can you just cut that part out? We're going to redo it with this. Um, so there, there is a little bit more awkwardness, I think, just because you don't have what we have now, five years of talking together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, a third person just is going to add more time. And it's funny, Jimmy and I always laugh. After each episode, we're like, how long is it? It's always about an hour. We just have this weird clock in our head after doing this over 300 times. The guest adds a component that is not, uh, we're not used to that for the calculation. So often those episodes are just longer. Again, that's just more work for the editors. Totally fine. Just creates a little more work. Also, if the guest isn't here in person, the whole Skyping thing, there's a bunch of problems with that. Not problems. There's just more issues that come up. So that might be a little more edited because Skype has this natural delay sometimes. Yeah, and sometimes they'll change the delay too. Mm. So you'll go through and be like, oh, it's synced up here. But then later on, it's like, why are they talking over each other? It's like, oh, we actually have to scoot the whole guest track a little bit this way. So there's a, there's a lot of finagling that happens with those episodes. I guarantee our editors, if there's, you know, when there's a guest on, and you'll notice we do it rarely, and this is one of the reasons... Uh, they're like, oh, okay. All right. Not that they can't handle it. It just creates a bunch of additional steps. So, yeah. And we have to process their footage. What if it's filmed at the wrong frame rate? Oh, lots of things. <laughs> uh, good question, though, Sarah. Yeah. All right. Question number four. I was wondering, will you ever do a how to draft better or how to get better at limited with the upcoming release of Commander Legends? By the way, that's the Commander draft set coming in this fall. December. December. I want to get better November? at limited. Remember? Winter. December. <laughs> remember, remember. <laughs> remember, remember. Commander, Commander Legends. Legends in December. <laughs> uh this is a cool question from Nick, and I hope a lot of people are asking it out, out there because Jimmy and I love Limited. Mm-hmm. And so we don't get a chance to talk about it a lot on the show, but this Commander Legend set coming later in this year... It's like our dream come true. Yeah, this is like <laughs> a, a cross-pollination of the two things we love the most about Magic, and it would be nice to talk about both sides of it, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think we have to talk about both sides of it. We've done some stuff in the past. We called them our sideboard episodes for Battle for Zendikar, Shadows over Innistrad, War of the Spark. 
And we also did a How to Reach Mythic in Arena episode, an extra episode. So we definitely want to address sort of the draft area and all that because I think as commander players, it's going to be really fun for us to play it as well as get the cards from it. And instead of just cracking packs to get stuff, it'd be great to, you know, be good at the draft part of it so that you also get a fun experience on that side of it. I would imagine there's a bunch of our audience out there who's sitting in Nick's boat, though, which is that I like magic. I understand commander. Mm -hmm. I don't draft a lot. But here comes this set, and it's a draft set aimed at commander players. So I want to be able to do that, but I want to feel like I'm going to be able to be good at it, right? You don't want to go in and feel like, I'm bad at draft. I'm probably going to get killed. This isn't going to be as fun. I'm going to put this much money in. I didn't get the cards I wanted, and I just kind of lost it on my... Yeah, that's not fun. So hopefully, maybe as we get closer, we'll be able to do some limited focused an episode or two to kind of get our audience up to speed. Because you're going to have an advantage over a lot of limited players that don't know commander. Yeah. Because... A set that's for draft but for multiplayer just inherently works different than a regular set. So some of the things you know about Commander coming in will give you an advantage. For yeah, sure. card evaluation especially. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be a lot of intricacy to this as well. as like when do you draft the Commander for your deck? Yep. When? How do you build around it? What? What's the curve look like in Commander Limited versus Commander Normal? So please let us know. This is our question to you, the community, if there's specific content that you want to see from us about Commander Legends or maybe Limited in general. Um, that's always something that we're on keeping our eye out for. Yeah, there's always something we're looking for an excuse to talk about. Yeah, more stuff. So, yeah, as Commander Legend gets closer, I hope we can sort of give a primer course on Limited to some people. And then, you know, of course, we'll point you towards good uh, Limited content out there. Yeah. All right, question number five. It's a dual question. It's two questions. Similar. Similar, yeah. Okay, yeah. so the first one is, I'm a younger than... Forever. Oh, sorry. I am younger than most Forever. of the people in my playgroup. <laughs> And cannot politic well because of that. I was wondering, once this is all over, how I should manage that. And that's from Bernie. And then the next question is similar. It's from Nathan. It says, I've been wanting to get into EDH for a while now after watching some magic content online. The thing is, I'm only 16. And I'm a little bit nervous about just jumping into this format and worried that people might not want to play with me because of my age. Do you think this is a legitimate concern? If so, how can I try and minimize this issue? So two people, Bernie and Nathan, who are just worried that their age is somehow going to affect their gameplay experience when playing Commander. I think this comes from like hey, we're playing sports, you're the team captains, and they draft all the senior players, the people that look like they can play, and then at the end, it's like, all right, you scrawny, you and you, and get on the teams, uh, don't mess it up. Right. And that's like a feeling that I think we all have had at different points. No one likes to walk into a situation and be like, I'm out of my element, I don't know what to do, I don't want to mess up, I don't, am I taking too long on my turn? Someone just huffed at me, ah. Uh. Yeah. It's definitely a lot of pressure. I think the main thing is like, if you're watching a lot of content and you love the game and you want to play, you will be able to find the people that want to play with you as well. And are hopefully, you know, I think the commander community has fostered enough goodwill over the years to know that you should be welcoming of new players and help them into the format. So I think you're going to find in general more goodwill than not. And if it's not a good vibe, try and find another place to play. <laughs> Yeah, I think also like just being upfront, like, hey, I haven't played a lot in paper or right. I haven't played a lot, period. Um, I'm pretty new, but I, I'm loving the game so far and I'm I'm learning. So hopefully everybody will be understanding. Like 90% of people are going to be like, yeah, cool. And totally understand. Yeah. And Give I would appreciate time. you helping me, you know, yeah. like all that. Yeah, exactly. I might not know all the cards, hopefully that you can explain to me and, you know. Yeah. And, and most people are really welcoming. And I'll say to the people out there that aren't the young people, or even if you're not young, this could apply, right? Veteran, non-veteran. Yeah. Just be welcoming. Help people out retune your brain a little when you've got those people in your game, right? Mm -hmm. You're not trying to maybe win as hard in that game. You're trying to make sure that this new player to our format wants to continue to play it. Maybe that's your job yeah. in that game. Um, I mean, Bernie specifically talks about politicking, though, and oh, may yeah. have, ha having that be difficult when you're young, which I can see, right? 
Yeah, I mean, how do you like tell an adult if you're a kid, like, don't do that or I'm going to hit you next turn. Right, <laughs> right, right. Sorry, that's not how you sound like Bernie. Sorry. Uh, just my <laughs> stereotypical young person's voice. Uh, I think politicking can be one of those things, too, where it's like, oh, I'm young, so I'm going to get taken advantage of, too, which is mm, something I mm. think is a legitimate concern if, like, you think people are just going to be, you know, like, oh, this kid's easy to manipulate, so we're going to do that. Um, I, I think, in general, don't worry too much about the politicking. Just worry about playing the game at first. If politics become a huge part of the game, I would look to the other players and don't make a decision just on your own if you think it's a little questionable. Like, ask the table, like, hey, is this good? Should I be doing this? I got a removal spell. I'm thinking about that. Do you think that's a smart move? Yeah. That's also just a sly political move, too. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, I do that all the time. Even when it's obvious, yes, I should remove that to, like, take some of the blame off of me. Everybody agreed. Kill that thing. Yeah. So it's not just me doing it. Um, I think, Bertie, you could still be political. You can even use the thing, hey, I'm young, but listen. <laughs> Right? You could even just say that phrase, which right. I think will do some work for you. Cut me some slack. Yeah, exactly. And and I think um, Nathan, who's 16, and we don't know how old Bernie is. Listen, we, Jimmy and I both at events have played with kids uh, even younger than that. A lot younger than 16. 16 is like totally wouldn't even blink an eye at. Yeah, true. Um, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. Like, yeah. I, I don't think it's a big deal at all to be, you know, I think, yeah, when you're like five, six, that's getting to be like young enough that it'd be like, okay, it's going to change the behavior. Deck. <laughs> it's going to change, you know, yeah, it's it's going to change the behavior of people at the table. But we've played with like Jack Landis's and stuff of yeah. the world who are like 10 years or younger who can definitely keep up. And, yeah. you know, I don't think it's going to be a big issue for either of you. And hopefully also, if you're around that age group, you can find other players in that same age group too that might be, you know, more fun. I know there are quote-unquote kids leagues but there are also teen leagues and stuff out there as well so just keep it keep an eye out for all that okay question number six do you have any advice for playing paper magic via home like how can a commander play group organize record and play a game everyone from his or her own room using online resources like video calls or how to properly set up to record for everyone p.s long live phyrexia i know i'm a bad person i play infect and commander from andrea or andrea um, there are lots of guides online right now on how to do this. Obviously, with the stay-at-home procedures that everyone's abiding by, there's a lot more playing digitally. Um, I, the way that I found works the best is if you have a webcam that you can point downwards or put on a box and point it at your board, just get as much of your board as possible. Try not to have glare on it. And then people have been using Skype, Google Hangouts, Zoom, a bunch of different ways to get everyone into the same room. Um, and then just play a game. Play it like normal. Uh, the only thing is you won't be able to see people's faces and sometimes mic qualities are going to be different as well. So just be respectful of all of that and try not to like be screaming into the mic the whole time because it's going to affect other players' turns. Uh, for the lighting and the glare, I would say you don't generally want lights that are like directly above your table. That's going to glare back at the camera. You yeah. probably want lights that are to the side of your uh, playmat for the best sort of ability to see all your cards with the light but not have it glare. Yeah. Um, you probably don't want to play decks that interacts with your opponent's decks as far as like steal their cards and stuff. Treachery, that, yeah. That makes that. it tough or like, hey, flip the top card of your library and play that card. Not that you can't deal with that in small amounts, but those type of cards. So there's certain type of cards and decks that just kind of work better when you're playing online. Yeah, like you said, uh, or like Jimmy said, there's a ton of online articles and content right now about how to do this because a lot of people are doing it. So yeah. I think if you just if you just Google it, you can find it. Um, 
Jake Boss, who's one of our editors here, he, you can find him on Twitter. Uh, we'll put up his Twitter here. I think it's at JakeMTG. Oh, gosh, I hope that's correct. He's been answering a lot of questions in regards to this as well as showing people his setup. He's somebody who would be happy to answer all your yeah. technical questions about this. So Production-wise uh, and all yeah. that. Yeah. So find him on Twitter. You can ask him directly, too. And, and I'm going to say that to the whole audience. So and you can, you can get use a- your phone, too. I, I know a lot of people have been like making out of like old fat packs. Yeah, yeah. Like little cutout, cardboard cutouts and stuff. So there's a lot of stuff online resource-wise. So just check it all out. All right, question number seven. I really enjoy watching Game Nights and Extra Turns. Thank you. I said thank you, not them. (laughs) I especially enjoyed this past episode. One question I have is how you handle mulligans. It seems as though you always start with seven cards in hand. Does Game Nights use some sort of friendly mulligan or something else? This is from Luke. Want to take this one? I You're mean, the one that kind of came up with the rule, and I'm like, yeah, that works. Yeah, it's just a natural thing I think anybody would come up with in our position. <laughs> we just say mulligan as many times as you need, full mulligan to seven. Please don't sculpt your opening hand so that it's like the god hand, but make sure you have a hand that's going to play magic. Because we didn't fly people all the way to Los Angeles, put them up in hotels, get all the crew, rent the equipment so that somebody can sit there and do nothing. And at the same time, sometimes you do mulligan and you have a nice three land hand. It's maybe got one piece of card draw, one piece of ramp in it, and you don't draw any lands after that. So the, the things do happen. And obviously this in, this rule was more instituted later on, like in the first early episodes when I kept a one lander with a divining top and an ancient tomb. That was not something that we would recommend players do now. Well, also you and I are a different case. Yeah, sure. We were still allowed to do that mulligan rule, but you and I are a lot more liberal because we're gonna, we've been on 30 episodes of game night. <laughs> and so eh, I might keep a risky keep because... If, you know, the worst happens and this doesn't work out, it, I've been on 30 episodes. Not a big, not a great big deal. Yeah. I've also had times where I mulligan and I look at the hand and go, that's too powerful. Actually, this uh, happens quite a lot. Yeah. It's like, I don't actually want to do this. I don't want to turn one this craziness out. I'm just going to shuffle it back and try and get a hand that's going to play, but not be something that just bolts me out the gate and makes for less interactive gameplay down the line. Yeah. I'd say that I'm looking for a hand that on a one to 10 scale is like a seven. Yeah, about, this, about the power level of the deck even. Yeah, I want it to be good, but I don't want it to be amazing. You definitely don't want to be like Mana Crypt, Soul Ring, Signet, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's just not going to lead to a really good on-camera game. So, yeah, I, I like what J- Jimmy said there, which is we'll often sort of throw back two good hands. Yeah. Basically, we just have a decent setup where everyone's deck is hopefully going to be able to at least function and then we go. Yeah, have at least three lands in general and one form of card draw or ramp to sort of make sure your deck can continue to do the thing it's trying to do. Yep. So, but we don't police it. So we don't check people's hands. So we just sort of tell them that and then they kind of decide based on there. And it's worked out really well. We tend to have guests that understand what the show is, right? They they know that it's more about having fun than winning the game. I don't think I've ever mulliganed more than like twice, maybe, maybe three times on like a a one specific occasion. But like in general, after a couple of draws, you're like, all right, this is good. I can play with this. And a lot of times we're even more lax than that, right? We've had times where somebody's like, oh, this hand's perfect, but it has one too many land. Yeah, just partial pairs to the one land. Yeah. Not a big deal. No, who, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> play a better game at the end of the day. We only get to play one because of the time constraints. So yep. make it a good one, please. Okay. Question number. Next question. Question number. Question number ocho. Ocho. Cinco. What? I recently, I was just thinking about the football player. <laughs> okay. Because I was like, it's not question number. <laughs> 85. Yeah. Uh, I recently have been struggling to find commanders that really speak to me as a person. I play a deck once or twice and it never stays together for very long. Any suggestions to help find something that makes it more permanent? I know the commander isn't everything, but I happen to have the problem of not being able to have a commander stick. This comes from Winter. It's tough to answer for another person. I think there are certain personality types that just 
constantly like retooling, redoing, rebuilding. Well, there's the personality type that likes to perfect the one idea. Uh-huh. And then there's the personality type that just likes new ideas coming in all the time and kind of isn't a perfecter of yeah. ideas, right? Build this deck, play it a couple of times, get bored of it, move on to the next deck. I don't think it's invalid to be either personality type. Either mm-hmm. one is fine. Um, I guess Winter is sort of saying they wish they were one of the other personality types. Um, I'm not sure how you teach someone to sort of move from one to the other, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, maybe figure out, like, look to the core question in yourself. Why do I want to change this deck? What about it? Am I bored of it? Uh, in that case, if you're bored of it, what excites you? Maybe you need to build a five-color deck that's more modular so that the commander doesn't matter as much as the cards on the inside. And you can move things in and out based on new cards or, like, shift the strategy towards a plus-one, plus-one counter theme more than the token theme. You know, like... I think find flexibility to make yourself happy. But really ask yourself, like, why am I doing this and what keeps me the most interested and try and build towards the things that keep you more interested. I might also ask myself, like, are there any of those old decks that I took apart that I wish were still together? Mm -hmm. That might be one that you should put back together and kind of keep on the shelf as a deck that, like, even if my brain says, hey, I should take that apart. Maybe I'll keep it together because I might want to play it again later because that's already happened one time. Yeah. Or you can do kind of like what I did with my mono red deck, which is a lot of the cards in it stay the same, like the ramp package and certain cards will always be in there. And you can just change the command around and switch the shell around it. So if you're like, I'm just going to build a stereotypical Simic shell, you can really put anything you want in those extra 20, 30 slots based Especially on the Especially for Simic. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, I think Simic's probably the easiest example. It's yeah. like, yeah, you want to build a Kinder, Bonder, whatever guy act like? No problem. Kinnon. Kinnon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next question. All right. Question number nine. We've actually gotten this question a lot. Yeah. Have you ever tried to get Joseph Gordon-Levitt on your show? I'm assuming you mean Game Nights. He's an avid Magic player and has quite a collection. I think he would be a great guest for Game Nights from Nokia. Yes. <laughs> I've tried. Yes, I, we've both I've tried. messaged a couple people. I've been trying to reach out. Like, do you know this person? Does anyone that you know know this person? It's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, what a, I would love to have him on this show. 100%, if we ever can or could find a way to get him on Game Nights, we would definitely do it. My feeling, um, and this is not based on anything specific, but uh-huh. just the lay of the land that I see is that it seems like he used to play and hasn't been keeping up with it in recent years. Yeah. Um, we would still obviously like have him on the show and make it work in some way, but I don't get the feeling that he's like an avid current player. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, if anybody out does there does he know knows, that Mana Burn doesn't exist anymore? That's I, my- <laughs> I don't know how long ago he's. I think he. Hopefully, he knows that. I don't know. Um, but if anybody out there knows him and wants to point him in the direction of Game Nights, I mean, obviously, these people. I think it's hard to understand that celebrities of that level and how busy they are. Yeah, he's probably off filming things. Well, not right now, but obviously, pretty. I mean, like gone 80, 90 percent of the year doing other stuff. Or I mean, if you were had a major studio movie and you wanted to cast Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it, you're probably looking at scheduling it a couple years out Yeah, for people like that, where it's like, oh, he's got an opening schedule here and there, and he's got commitments for this and that, and it can be very hard. And that's for like, hey, we're going to pay you millions of dollars to be in a movie. So we're talking about like a little YouTube web series. You know, he would just, ha- it would just... It'll have to be serendipitous, right? If it ever it just works out, out yeah, it's like, oh, he, he happens to be in town, day. and we're just yeah. like, okay, let's get the cameras and do it, and we can safely record as well. So, yeah. JGL, if you're if you're just watching this episode, right? Maybe he's a big fan. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of big fans. If you're a big fan, you'll stick around through our <laughs> sponsor meshes, messages here uh, because we're going to be right back and we're going to talk about or we're going to tackle more questions from the audience. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, 
it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, we are back. That means you're a big fan. (laughs) Thank you. Segway. Thank you for sticking past and sticking through. We got a lot more great questions coming up, so let's just jump right into it. Question number nine slash ten. Ten, I guess. Oh, the numbers got a lot Oh, there was two nine. Oh, my bad. You know, it's around the mid-roll, so you can have two nines. All right. Question number nine again. (laughs) Hi, I moved recently, and the shop that I've been playing EDH at is a lot more casual than my previous playgroup. I can tell when I beat them quickly with Sasuke or combo out with Aminatu that they become very frustrated. I want to make friends and I want to continue playing with them, but I'm afraid they're quickly not liking to play with me. I play decks at maybe a 6 to 8 level, but they're playing about level 3 to 5. I don't enjoy playing a deck at that level. It feels slow and clunky, but I also don't have much fun winning easily all the time. What should I do from Anonymous? They didn't want... So Anonymous has moved to a new place and is playing at a power level that is just too high for what they're used to in the new place anonymous kudos you've noticed yep. this and you asked the question absolutely 100 percent. if you have noticed it it's happening <laughs> i guarantee if you're catching the nonverbals, it's happening so this is a situation that we in some respect we get asked about a lot not mm-hmm. that always moving and whatever but within play groups and within the community there are varying varying power levels and how to navigate that is always a problem um I would say it's really hard, I, I get it, to like play lower powered decks. But it's also hard to play commander if you don't have anybody to play with. Yes. <laughs> so, And you don't want people to not want to play with you. So what I always say in this situation is don't do it all the time. So maybe build yourself a deck and, and maybe pick a commander that's just hard to build at a seven mm-hmm. on the scale, right? But just pick something that's like... Just naturally, even if you build it as best, not going to be super powerful. And maybe build a couple of those and then vary the decks that you're playing. So every once in a while, you can pull out the slightly more powerful deck, but you're not just hammering them all the time with decks that are more powerful than theirs. Yeah, I think Maybe maybe budget, maybe just... Oh, maybe yeah. just say, hey, I'm going to build a couple decks that are $50 and under. That'll kind of naturally keep your power level down a little bit. That'll also help you evolve it into a higher power deck over time. And if then you want it keeps to. the power level lower to play with your, your new play group here. Just um, set yourself some arbitrary constraints that naturally keep you within their wheelhouse. You don't even have to tell them this to make them feel bad about it. You just have set yourself kind of a handicap. In golf, they do this all the time. Yeah. Um, I would also say, like, figure out maybe the maybe if they're playing three to five level decks, does their play style also be three to five, or are they better players than that? Because if they're, like, 
you know, if everyone's a great player, then playing a three to five level deck, you could pilot that up to a six to eight, depending on how, you know. So it could be one of those things, too, where it's just like, hey, I don't think they're packing enough removal. Maybe you can make the sly suggestion that, like, hey, I think it's really handy. Remember how we got beat by this and this last time? Like, I'm going to put a couple more removal spells in my deck and lead by example. Leading by example is a little tougher when you're beating other people, but it's not so bad when you're the one that's being more active, removing stuff in game and showing players why it's important to have those parts of your deck function like that. All right. Good All luck, right. Anonymous. Yeah, good luck. It's Those are tough waters to navigate. I know a lot of people run into that. Being yeah. aware of it is the first step, and then you also have to do something about it. What I would say don't do is just keep playing your powerful decks. <laughs> yeah, don't keep stopping. That is going to lead where you think it's going to lead. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Next Wait, question. Are we going to call this 10 or 11? This is 11, I guess. All right. <laughs> question number 11. Have you considered doing a remote slash video chat episode of Game Nights? And this is from Jeff or at NotByRights on Twitter. We, I'm sure we've thought about it. Yeah. And probably not now. Yeah. Game nights. Would, it, it, it wouldn't be good. <laughs> it wouldn't be the same. I just don't think it would work. Um, maybe we could do like a stream or maybe we could do like a gameplay video that way. Yeah. Game nights is just a very specific thing. And the brand has a certain mystique to it that we we built on purpose and we wanted to keep. So I don't think an episode of game nights that's remote is really realistic. It's just like big movie productions. They didn't try and figure out a way to do it for cheaper, right? They just said, okay, we got to hit the pause button and hopefully when things go back to normal, we'll start the big movie production yeah. again. That's kind of how I feel about game nights. Well, uh, also like you have interview footage. Yep. Like what is the audio coming off of this bad? What if it's like weird and clunky? You're just going to get taken out of the experience of what game nights is, I think. Yeah, it's and it's a ton of work for to, to just at the end of it, have it be like not up to our standards. So I think like remote slash video chat gameplay is something that we would be maybe open to but game night specifically putting that you know branding on it's probably not likely yeah uh question number 12 my play group is more focused on going off than it is about threat assessment instead of spending resources to slow someone down they just let everything go and try to win faster <laughs> until the absolute last moment when someone threatens to win then they complain about why can't anyone stop them what can i do to change this from nathan <laughs> interesting i'm kind of i kind of want to play with your play group yeah <laughs> everyone's gonna let me do what i want i mean the last thing you want to do in that play group is try and be the police because yeah. if everyone's trying to do it to do that you're not going to be able to stop them all so i would i think i would just go lean into it yeah and try and be the one going off first then maybe at some point that curve is going to come back down where people realize okay we need to stop these like we can't just let everyone go willy-nilly nuts going off all the time uh and so maybe you'll get a player that wants to play a little more controlly um maybe even for you it's a, it's a matter of just building a deck that's good at its own thing but packs enough like board wipes and bane of progress type cards that can stop these things and then people will quickly realize oh no i'm a glass cannon and then they'll start building around that too or they won't i think a lot of these <laughs> questions because this is similar to the question about the person who moved to a new play group and yeah. their power levels higher than everybody else and what do i do a lot of these questions kind of boil down to the fact that like you can't get the group to play like you play Mm -hmm. right you can't always do that sometimes there's people that are willing to sort of move slide up and down the scale but in general like people are going to play the game the way they like to play it and all you can control all you can control is what you yourself do right and so yeah the question i would have from a gameplay perspective is is it better for me to be playing like they're playing or playing in a different way and that's just a strategic choice that you should make based on what gives you the most chance to have fun and win those games mm -hmm. um but like you can make little sly suggestions like, hey, we should play more removal and then we could stop things like that. But if they don't want to do that, then there's not a lot you can do. Just try and take advantage of the fact that you know that about your playgroup. Yeah. 
Tough luck. All right, question number 13. 13? Yep. Oh, boy. It's Just one number off, and it's constantly confusing me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 13. Hey, guys, my playgroup has fully stopped using politics. I personally love politicking and don't know why they've suddenly stopped. Is there a way that I can reignite the political spirit? And oh, it's from like Titus. That. That's good phrasing. Reignite the political spirit. Um, I think it, this requires a little more information for us to fully answer. Like, why do you, like, were the politics too time consuming? Were things being affected to the point where it was unfun, where it's just like someone's about to win, but then everyone made some crazy political things and held people accountable for things. And it was, that was just too much. So people were like, yeah, let's just do away with it completely. I mean, is it conscious? Did they literally say, we're not doing politics no more? Right. Like, what happens when you're like, hey, I got this removal spell. I can't decide between that enchantment and that artifact. What do you guys think? What happens when you do that? Do they all just say nothing? <laughs> they're just silent and stare at you. And because like, if they respond in any way, they're politicking. Yeah. And that's the thing about not politicking is that is a form of politics. True. So, like, one of the moves you can pull in politics is to not... To not engage. Engage, yeah. yeah. That's like a very Sun Tzu type thing. Yeah, but it's impossible to not politic altogether, right? Like, by not politicking, you're just taking that political stance. So, I think... Yeah, it's it's hard to answer, but I think you can sort of subtly bring them out by maybe you yourself doing the more subtle forms of politicking. Not like, hey, Jimmy, if I don't attack you For this turn, you X, Y, Z. It's more like, hey, uh, there's two things out there, and I think they're both pretty bad. What should I do? Or I can get rid of that. Can anybody else get rid of this? Otherwise, I'll get rid of this. Maybe somebody can get rid of that. Right. Like, yeah, I have a modular removal spell, yeah. but I don't have one that specifically targets that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and those, and if they just like totally don't answer you and do things in those situations, like you can play that against them too. There's, yeah. Yeah. Or you might be playing with aliens <laughs> that don't understand how to politic. I would say to reignite, though, it's a good way of phrasing it. Maybe just try, like Josh said, small things. Yeah. Small things that aren't game ending, like give me a three turn immunity if I don't blow apart your thing. Yeah, you, normally, when people consciously say, I'm not going to politic, and they're like literally doing that on purpose, it's because the politics part has annoyed them. Yeah. Or it's gotten them in so many situations that they can't out politic or they feel like they don't have as much control over it than just playing the game. Yeah. So. All right. Question number 14. How do you deal with power creep? I have a tendency to optimize like crazy and keep making my decks more and more powerful, sometimes beyond what it should be for my pod. I try to limit the power level, but why play counterspell when I have a mana drain, says Andrew. Why play counterspell when you have a mana drain? That's why not a really play good question. Both? Just kidding, don't. Well, maybe. Uh, this is tough. I think like you open a sweet card in a pack, you want to put it in your deck and play it. But then other people are like, you just got lucky. You opened a mana crypt and I don't have one, but you do. And that's just not fair. So you're going to run into these feel bads all the time because this is a game that requires investment, requires time, requires purchasing and opening and all these sorts of things and luck and a bunch of different factors come into it. So power creep is something that is always going to happen, I think, with players that just are more invested in magic. I know a lot of players that buy a deck, pre-con, upgrade a little bit, and that's it. That's their commander experience, and that's totally acceptable and fine. Um, so it is a bit tougher. I mean, the nice thing about counter spells and mandrains is that you kind of have the choice when and not to play it, right? And so you could purposefully sandbag a little bit if you think the power creep's too much, but it's hard to ask that of players, too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you do this. I do this quite often. In fact, for game nights, I do it quite often, which is like I built that Uro deck, right? Which mm -hmm. was a good deck, don't get me wrong. But I built it with no tutors in it on purpose. Right. Because I looked at the first deck list I did, and I was like, it's pretty powerful. <laughs> like, I don't think there's a lot of chance that this doesn't, like, blow out the rest of the table out of the water. So I was like, how do I pull it back mm -hmm. so that everybody can have at least a game where they're doing stuff? And, it, you know, obviously, the, I think the Uro deck was still the most powerful deck in that game. 
but it wasn't like so oppressively so that nobody had a chance because obviously I didn't win that game. So by just saying, giving myself an arbitrary restriction of I'm just going to build this with no tutors. Or no counter spell in this case. Yeah. And it's not like I'm saying, hey, I'm going to never build a deck with tutors again. Mm -hmm. That's just that deck. And then the next deck, all the time, I, I know you do this, where it's like, I'm just not putting, you know, mana crypt in, in the deck. It yeah. could, certainly would be better. I'm just not putting it in there. Because I have some decks with mana crypt. If I want to play mana crypt, those four decks have it. I don't need mana crypt in every single deck that I own. Also, yeah. I don't want to buy a mana crypt for every deck that I own. Sometimes I'll also choose, like, I have two choices of a tutor. I know I need to play at least one, because if without it, this deck is just worse. I will choose the weaker of the two or the more flavorful of the two, because I think it's more fun to play. So sometimes I'll make those decisions as well, where it's like, yes, I could. I know how to optimize a deck to be really powerful obviously bonkers powerful we'll put on all the big mana rocks that are you know very expensive price wise but nah i'm just gonna do this to be a little more fun so i do this a lot too where it's like i'm not gonna put fetches and dual lands in this deck yeah obviously we have access to those cards and i could put those into the, any deck that we play on game nights and if you go look through game nights sometimes it has it sometimes it doesn't a lot of it has to do with like i'm playing rakdos i'm playing duels and fetches in this one I'm playing Simic. Okay, this is just Shocklands. No fetches, whatever. Right. Because I'm trying to keep the power level around that seven mark. And I just kind of spice to taste as far as like a lot of decks, we don't have mana drain in the decks. We have counterspell instead. And that's just a choice we're making. Do we own mana drains? Could they be in the decks? Mm -hmm. Yes. But I don't need that to happen in every single deck. And I think yeah. to answer Andrew a little more directly, Andrew, maybe you just need a few more decks so that you don't feel like I don't have a place to play mana drain ever. No, it's in this deck. But this one doesn't need it. Yeah. Or like at a certain point, you could be like, you know what? At this point, this deck is polished off enough. It's it's good enough. The only time I'm going to change cards are when they really make a flavorful impact or it's something I think is, is like tailor fit for this commander. Not just like singular, like counterspell to mana drain or whatever to force of will. You know, like you could find other ways of being like, you know what? This is a fun include, but this deck is complete as far as I'm concerned. I love that. And I do that all the time. And we get asked all the time. I'm sure this happens to you. People yeah. ask me just today. I got two different tweets saying like, hey, this deck of yours, Vile Smasher or whatever. What have you done to upgrade it? I'm noticing that the deck list hasn't been touched in like a year. What have you done to upgrade it recently? And the funny thing is my answer is usually nothing. You yeah. know why? I like where that deck is, sits on the power level. If I keep tinkering with it every time a new set comes out, it's slowly going to push up on the power scale until it gets somewhere I don't want it to be. So my, my, uh, so what I end up doing is just not touching it because I want it to stay right where it is. Yeah, and yeah. occasionally there'll be a card where you're like, well, I gotta put that in. Right, now. Wilderness Reclamation was the last one where it's like, yeah. okay, that has maybe, to go in the deck. Maybe some Obosh? Yeah, well, that's how I solve that too. It's like, oh, Vile Smasher Thrasios, not messing with. Obosh. Make a whole deck. Yeah, make a whole new deck rather yeah. than power up the one that I've already got. Good call. All right, uh, question number 15. Do you guys find it okay if somebody plays a deck or a card in a foreign language? How do we ask them what the card does without being annoying, especially the cards not everybody is familiar with? My playgroup play is composed of expats and sometimes people on vacation who play magic cards who bring their full Italian, Chinese, or Russian language decks with not a lot of cards printed in English. This is from Juan. Uh, I think in general, if you're going to come to a table and play cards that other people might not know what it says, the burden's almost on you to be like, this is this card, this is what it does. Um, especially if you're playing in like these, this is a very unique situation, a very international group with Italian, Chinese, and Russian decks, and English decks. Sounds like somebody in the military or something, right? Because yeah. expats and people that are on vacation from outside the country a lot. I don't think it's ever annoying to be like, I don't know what that card is, can you tell me? I don't think you should ever think of it as annoying. And if other people are like, you're being annoying asking, then you would just be like, guys, we all have to play with English cards then 
because <laughs> everyone's having a misunderstanding here also what's the expectation there like yeah you're supposed to know every card like all the time in games i'm asking what does that do again to cards i've played against a hundred times and are in english yeah so if it's literally in russian and you don't speak russian i don't think it's out of line any way shape or form to be like can you tell me what that does or at least tell me the name of it so i can look it up yeah ha- having a phone out or a computer even to like look up on gatherer or wherever to see okay let's look at the oracle text of this because maybe it's changed over time i usually do this with really old cards yeah like sometimes we'll show a card on screen that's an older card and then we'll read the text but it's the oracle text so it's a little different than what it is because that's the most up-to-date rules text so it's good to have that internet resource there too for you yeah, that's, a, that's actually probably the note for one there. Just have your phone or an iPad or your laptop open and ready if that's happening a lot, just so you can punch it up and have, yeah. it, have it available, yeah. And don't forget, Judge Chat. Look up Judge Chat if you ever have very specific rules, questions, really fast way to get those answered on the computer. All right, number 16, thought experiment. If you could change the text of a banned card to make it unbanned, what do you think it would have to change to from Philip? And so I just listed down a couple of the popular banned cards out there. So let's just start with Primeval Titan. If we could change the text on Prime Time, what do you think it would have to change to be not banned? Uh, basic lands only. Basic lands, yeah. yeah. I think that's the way for it to... And do they already come into play tapped? Yes, they do. Okay. Fast Bond. Boy, <laughs> how much life would it have to be? Five. <laughs> 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 Even then, it's pretty good, but yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, like, maybe three, three and a half life. Or how much mana would it have to cost? Oh, fast bond? Uh, so if it costs could, three mana, how bad is it? I guess you could do six mana, because that's the same as that one. By then, it's useless, so yeah, that card right? is bad, right? Yeah. If it costs three mana, and hack, fast bond is, um, it's one, one mana, mana for a sorcery, and you can play any amount of lands this turn, but each one beyond the first, you pay one life. So yeah. if you have six lands in hand, you could play all six of them and it'll cost you five life. Which is nuts. Especially on turn one. decks that draw a ton of cards or find, yeah. Because they come, or, oh, I got it. Oh, they come, they to, come play to play tapped. And don't untap during your next untap set. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it costs two mana, they come into play tapped, something like that. Yeah, that's a little better. Like at um, least you can't go off that turn, but you still untap on turn three. And, right. But on turn three now, people saw what you did, held up counter spells and removal, right? Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. I yeah. mean, that card's still nuts. That one and Channel are both like, can you make Channel legal? Uh, uh, I don't uh, think so. Yeah. Especially in a, in a format where you get you, more life. You can get infinite yeah. life, yeah. All right, next up, how would you change Caracas? So this is a land that uh, returns legendary creatures to their owner's hand? Yep, just by tapping. So obviously it's banned because every single deck <laughs> has a legendary creature. I think you change this one by saying legendary non-creature permanent to its owner's hand. Oh, okay. So you could do like a guy's cradle. Uh, you could do like a planeswalker. Yeah, planeswalkers. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. It's not like super, super powerful in that case, but there are some uses for it. Or maybe it's even opponent's control, so you can't use it to bounce your own Going stuff. stuff. Okay, yeah. I don't know. Like bouncing your own planeswalker back to your hand, it seems fine because then you got to recast it, right? Like Bouncing other planeswalkers, though, it could be a political thing. They're full swing out, get rid of this problematic thing. It's about to ultimate. You're like, eh, just put it back into their hand. I mean, that seems fine to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess planeswalkers their commanders would yeah. be kind of tough or you could just like how far can we go with the rewording can we say caracas uh return target non non return target legendary non-commander creature to its owner's hand could you say that yeah because they reference commander yeah on that's cards, true yeah yeah, so. yeah. okay I, i'm down with that <laughs> non-commander legendary creature 
<laughs> so it can still do creatures. It, the, it's it's narrowed a bit. It doesn't make you feel super bad about always having Commander get bounced immediately. Sure. You're rat of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The next one's interesting. <laughs> Ancestral Recall. I, I have the answer. Okay. Okay. You make it cost seven and a blue, and you add the word delve to it. <laughs> and make <laughs> it a sorcery. An yeah. Make there it a sorcery. Make it a sorcery. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What's the going rate for an instant draw three? Is it five or six mana? Five, I think. That's crazy. It's crazy how broken that card is then. Yeah. One mana, and you can, yeah, you can, yeah. You can and I can either target or other players, yeah. <laughs> Rare, but okay. Okay, how about Gristle Brand. So Gristle Brand, the real problematic text is pay seven, seven life, draw seven, seven cards. Seven cards, and it has lifelink, and it's a seven, seven flyer. Is there a way to even fix this? Make it not legendary. So it can't be your commander? Right. May, but they still draw seven for seven. Right, it's but you not. have to, like go find it get it into play yeah. it costs a lot of mana if it gets exiled like that's kind of what it. if it was like a it had the text that um that one card does where if you don't if you don't cast it from your hand you lose the game kind phage. of thing yeah it's, like it's phage. got like phage text <laughs> you have that's, to cast it that's the i guess that's this oh yeah so you can't reanimate you can't reanimate it because a lot of people just do reanimate that would actually make it not playable as a commander or very tough to play yeah. as a commander we know phage can be played as a commander okay i kind of like that okay not just bad give the phage text okay all right let's do one more <laughs> Lutri the Spell Chaser. Rough. Just get rid of Companion. Yeah, if it just wasn't a Companion, it's fine. It's Dual Caster Mage. It's dual Caster Mage, yeah. Yeah, so not... Which we know is a totally fine card. Yeah. Interesting okay. question, though. I like yeah. that. Uh, we could obviously go down the list and talk a lot about more banned cards, but in general, it's pretty obvious what the banned... Why it's banned for the very problematic cards, even though we're typically... Like, I would let... I'd let Grizzlebrand in the system. Yeah. I think it's probably fine, honestly. Like, it's not going to be worse than, like, Urza and stuff, probably. Yeah. All right. Uh, question number 17. I want to build a send triplet stacks deck. <laughs> I'm not sure whether I should because I am afraid my play group is going to hate me. Should I build the deck or should I build a more quote unquote nice commander? This is from Pranchu. Um, I have a Jimmy, one word answer. Yeah, Jimmy, go ahead. <laughs> no, yeah. don't do it. Don't do it. The fact that you were at send triplets and then stacks on top of it, well, like right. you couldn't have combined two things that players hate more into one name. Yeah, I wouldn't do that if you have any inkling that your play group won't like it. If it's a CH play group you can probably do that but yeah. otherwise i'd stay away yeah uh question number 18 why are you two so cute from francisco practice charm <laughs> i don't know <laughs> neither of those are probably right nice but okay. question though thank you <laughs> thank you francisco all right question 19 what is your opinion on custom commanders do you think that you might make an episode of game nights featuring custom commanders this is from callum <laughs> most or questions callum. end with like would you do a game nights with this yes uh I'm, sorry no to, to, the to answer the question yeah <laughs> uh yeah, sorry. The problem with custom commanders is very narrow. They don't, most people just don't care about them because they're not real cards. Yeah. So if you make a Game Nights episode and it's custom commanders, who cares about that game? Because no one can play with those cards. They're not real. Yeah, and I think custom commanders and people that have custom magic cards, I love all of that. I love making your own cards, coming with your own ideas. But as far as it comes to like making a practical version of that work in real life, it just won't because, again, some people don't want... You couldn't take this to a tournament or like to a, a, a larger setting. I think it'd be really hard to argue, like, hey, I have a custom commander. It's just, what's the outcome of that game that gets played, right? If you win with your custom commander, everybody just grumbles because it's not real and you obviously made it, Yeah, you, your game design, you overpowered it. And if you don't win, or I guess it would have to create a fun game. That's a, that's a decent right. outcome. Like some sort of group hug type thing. But then just you're playing kind of like plane chase a little bit, right? Yeah. The problem is there are professionals that design cards and they work at Wizards of the Coast and that's what they're paid to do day in and day out as their job. And I trust them to do it. 
and I less trust some random person <laughs> who just like decided that they liked the wording this way if and it would be cool if because they're not thinking on the level of somebody that literally does this every single day. So it's hard to trust that they've balanced it correctly. And that's not to say that the card's not going to be interesting or solve some of the issues that we always complain about. I've seen some interesting ideas for white commanders and red commanders and stuff. But again, it's just, it seems like it's causing more trouble than, it's It's a cool thought experiment, but I personally wouldn't take it much further past that. Especially wouldn't build a whole deck around it. Yeah. All right. I want a deck I can play. <laughs> uh, is it me or you? Uh, me. Last question. Could y'all include some of your cast members from behind the scenes in the Game Night episode? Asks Moy. Well, we've had a lot of them on. So Craig's been on. Mm-hmm. Um, Lady Danger's been on. Ashlyn's been on. Ashlyn's been on. So Murph has been mentioned by name a couple of times. Murph and Jake and Manson have all been on uh, podcast little mm-hmm. episodes, like our favorite cards episode. Um, I can see some of those people coming in front of the camera for Game Night's episodes in the future. One of the things you know, we try to do is get people from out there in the community onto game nights just to, I don't know, it's just a fun way to kind of increase exposure for everybody and also like show the world that a football player can play magic. Yeah, it's cool to have an NFL player on. It's cool to get Day 9 on to play mm-hmm. or Ashley Birch or people from other areas. And it's also cool to see, you know, the, Kenji and other content Yeah, Reed Duke and Brian Kibler come oh, here yeah, and yeah, do yeah. it. So like there are only a certain amount of game nights episodes every year and Usually there's a lot of, like the list of guests we want to get, if we just went down that list and said, okay, if we get two of these for every episode, we're like two or three years out (laughs) before there's an opening. Now we can't always get those people because of scheduling and things like that. And we have other people, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, for example. um, Who's been itching to come on game. Yes. Apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That like, if they ever contact us, they're going to bump a bunch of people down on that list, right? That's just the way that the world works. Yeah. So it's, I'm not saying there would never be some of our other people or other team members, but it just kind of would depend. There's no plans at the moment. Um, but we do our best to shout them out every episode so you guys know who they are. And, you know, maybe this means that we do an updated behind the scenes at some point. So you do get to see everyone. They're just not necessarily playing on camera and doing all that too. Yeah. And, and you know, there is a talent to being in front of the camera. Let's not downplay that. Jimmy does it for a living. Yeah. I dabble. Um, but that is a thing that's important for a show like Game Night. So it's also something we have to consider. It's just not like just, that's what we do do auditions when the um, patrons and everything, because we can't just put anybody on camera and the show's going to be compelling. We need people that have a a charisma to them that are good on camera, that are compelling. And so that's something we're always thinking about. We wouldn't just pull anybody in from magic either. We're thinking about like what people are going to be good on camera. Yeah. And we love the last two fans that came on too. They were great on yeah. camera. Turns out, you know, we're pretty good at auditioning people. <laughs> and they're, you're good at auditioning as well. Uh, all right. No, yeah. That's what I meant. We're good at picking the good audition. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, to the listeners, that was the end of our Q and a, but we've got Q and a for you out there. What lines of text would you change on band cards to make them, you know, not Playable. have to be banned yeah. yeah do you think playgroups should slow down their politicking in general mm. uh do you think watsi should print cards they know will be problematic in some formats if they think they'll be fun in others that's the morrow question don't forget to send us in your questions with the header question time in the email and then we'll consider those for future um episodes, episodes like this oh also that's why I paused in there because I was thinking we promised to give away some coins oh that's right so we have some we have two types of coins there's the knight coin we'll that's going to be on. Yeah, that has the sword and the shield on the background. And then there's the hero coin, which is slightly different coloration and has a knight, an actual knight uh, on the back. They both say only one may stand. They're both really, really sweet, mm-hmm. heavy. They got some heft to them. Um, you can hear me clinking them. 
Clink, clink. Yeah, this is the night coin. So we'll give away, what do you say, two of each? Yeah, why not? We have a little extra. We always, of course, have to print a little more than we need to ship out every single time. So we have a few extra. We're going to give away two of each. Uh, it's going to be honor system. If you already got the coin through Kickstarter or Patreon, you can enter, but maybe maybe don't. Maybe yeah, allow Give someone some else people, a chance. Give somebody else a chance. Um, all you got to do is submit a question to us through email. So that's commandzonecast at gmail.com and just put question time in the heading. Anybody who does that starting from this date until one week from the release of this episode will be entered to win a, one of these coins. Yep, and we'll announce the winners either just directly, we'll tell you that you won over email, or we'll do a public, we'll, we'll figure out the way to do it. Yeah, we can announce it on our Twitter and our yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Just so you can hold us accountable. Like, hey, did you choose the winners yet? Yeah, we're like, uh, yeah, definitely. Right now we're choosing them. <laughs> but they'll be randomly chosen, so it doesn't matter what question you ask. Yes, you want to get your hands on one of these coins, that's the way that you'll have a chance. And maybe we'll be able to do this a couple more times. We have, like Jimmy said, some extras, but we don't have a ton. Yeah, and if you want to win in the game as well, you're going to need to pick up some of the sweet coins cards, maybe some of the ones that we mentioned today on the show, maybe some that you saw on a recent episode of Game Nights, or maybe some from the current set, Ikoria M21, coming up very soon. Head on Double over. Masters Double Masters looks sweet. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Head on over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Finally, you too can own a mana crypt, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> but that's a place to pick up your magic single seal product and all that and more. We love Card Kingdom. They do great shipping. They have great uh, appraisals on their cards, and you can also trade in a bunch of stuff, old draft chaff, cards you may not need that aren't particularly relevant to commander and get some new cards on the way they're awesome please check them out just use the affiliate link cardkingdom.com slash command zone and if you are picking up cards like mana crypt or expensive staples that you really want to keep with those in, cool arts yeah in great condition ultra pro products are the best way to keep all of your game pieces in pristine condition they're the company that jimmy and i trust the mm-hmm. most we use them on our own personal collections. All of my decks are in Eclipse sleeves. Mine too. They're in Ultra Pro deck boxes. Satin Towers are just so great. They're going to keep your decks safe. So you want to protect that stuff. You want to stay in good condition. Ultra Pro is the way to go. Yep. And I also use all Ultra Pro sleeves when I put it into like a, a binder or yeah. stuff too, yep. just to keep it extra safe. Yeah. You don't want those things getting messed up at all. Okay. Now it's time for the instep where we talk about something cool outside ah. the world of magic. Yeah. You see what I wrote down there. Have you watched the show? I have watched it. Okay. So we just watched it over the weekend. Oh, cool. Um, Very bingeable. Yeah. So there's a show it's on Amazon prime and I gotta say Amazon prime has been like coming up. Netflix was like killing everybody for years, but yeah. And then Amazon prime tried a little bit. It wasn't the great. And then they started making some really good shows and yeah. now they're where they are now. So this show is called upload. It's on Amazon Prime. The How would you describe, what's the pitch for the show? Okay, so it's from the creator of Parks and Recreation and the American Office, Greg Daniels. I did a brand deal about this, so I oh, know okay. a lot about the show. Uh, the show is about uh, a, sort of an alternate universe slash reality where... Or the near future. The near future, right. When you pass away... Uh, you can actually have the choice to upload your entire consciousness into a digital afterlife. And that afterlife is filled with everyone's sort of dreams being fulfilled in this idyllic area. You can like change the temperature and the weather outside. You can do all sorts of silly things. Um, And it's about one plucky character who gets into an accident, dies and gets uploaded. And then we sort of follow his adventures and find out sort of more about him, his death, the circumstances surrounding everything. The world. The world, yeah. It's cool though. I I love, it's kind of like Futurama will have moments where you're like, oh, that's so funny. That's funny. I'd say it's like uh, The Good Place crossed with Futurama a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. So it's it's definitely like, it it does a good um, commentary on like modern life because like, 
the review, how people review you is so important <laughs> in this near future. You get to look outside of the upload area and inside of it because there are characters on both sides. Yeah. So there are like characters that have been digitally uploaded and ones that aren't. Very funny. We watched the entire season basically in one afternoon. <laughs> hey, not allowed to go anywhere. It's a, yeah. it's a good binge for sure. Yeah, they upload. got like microtransactions and stuff in yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's walking around in the upload and he starts getting pop ups. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what the heck? They like to make jokes about like, you know, stuff modern that. Life. Yeah, modern yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's definitely cheeky, a little cheap cheesy a little corny but overall like good jokes and greg daniels knows what he's doing he's obviously made some successful shows in the past and it's half hour so it's yeah. quick too so you can get through a lot of them really fast yeah all right all right uh big thanks to our editing graphics and logistics team which is craig blanchett ashlyn rose lady danger manson lung out Al- sorry alfred estaca josh murphy jake boss and sam waldo i put alfred in a weird spot for some <laughs> reason which threw me yeah but, and of course special but alfred's awesome he could yeah. be anywhere on the list uh, maybe someday first <laughs> not that it matters not that it matters that order yeah it doesn't yeah, oh, <laughs> i always think that when i'm typing an email like just do it alphabetically just yeah. do it alphabetically <laughs> all right special thanks to jeffrey palmer for the living cards animations you can find them behind us on screen here on the command zone podcast set and of course on game nice and they start and end each of our shows at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast you can find him on twitter at living cards mtg all right, everybody, send in those questions so Don't you can forget. win one of these coins. So dope. All right, thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com. Or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.